morning and to see you from on this stage with these bright lights. It's awesome. You know, a thing I love about St. Augustine's is that every once in a while you allow the parking attendant to come up here and preach. So uh, thank you so much. I didn't wear my, uh, my, uh, my uh, jacket today. I thought I'd go in the obligatory black. Uh, Chloe showed us up, though, and uh, set the temperature by actually wearing color. Good on you, Chloe. That's awesome, man. Hey, let's open in prayer. Father God, open our eyes and stir our hearts and teach us how to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with you today. Amen. The psalm that we just heard read to us this morning is really a psalm of longing. It is a psalm of longing, and it speaks about longing for a king that would not just use justice as a fad or a commodity. You know, it speaks about a longing for a king who would care for his people, who would be committed to the lost, who would bound up the broken, that would look out for the fearful. It is a longing. It's a psalm of longing. Where is that king? (laughs) Where is that king? Where's that leader? Where's that leader that we're longing for? Because in ancient Israel, you know, here's the thing. In ancient Israel, that king never turned up. He never turned up. But the ancient Israelites, they kept their eyes open and they kept their ears open. And they wondered when that king would come because they needed that kind of leader. They needed that king. And here's the thing. In Matthew's gospel, John the Baptist is in prison. Who knows who John the Baptist is? Yeah. I'm take, uh, anyone? <laughs> you do. You know who John the Baptist is. He's that crazy dude who wore camel clothes and ate locusts in the desert. Here's the thing about John, though, is that he was actually an underground kind of uh, leader of a movement that had to hide in the desert because there was a king in Israel, and his name was King Herod, and he was a bit of a, he was a, bit of a bad guy. He, uh, you know, he killed a few people, and he kind of slipped around with a few people. He wasn't so good, okay? He was actually a bit of a tyrant. And John was one of those people in Israel that kept his ears and his eyes open for this king. When will he come? And so he went into the desert, and that's where he drew people to him. That's where he told people about this king. Well, John ends up in prison, as you do when you're in an underground movement, and the king, and there's a, you know, a tyrant king after you, and you're saying... You're telling him that, you know, he's a bit of a a dick. And so, at that time, uh, King Herod was like a vassal. He was like a puppet of the Roman Empire. And Palestine was occupied, like much, actually, much of the world at that time. Much of the world was occupied by the Romans. So, he was in an occupied country. And John the Baptist is imprisoned for daring to speak out against King Herod and tell him that there's actually a better king coming. That's what he's saying. That's what the message of John the Baptist is. There is a better king coming. And you know, when you're dealing with tyrants, 
it's best to stay in the abstract, okay? You know, just speak in the abstract. Because when you speak prophetically and you speak pointedly, you're going to end up in prison. And here's the thing. John would eventually be executed. He was beheaded, head on a plate, that kind of thing. But as he languished in prison, his disciples were allowed to come and visit him. And he said to them, you know, go and find this guy, Jesus of Nazareth, because I want to ask him a question. I've got a question for him. Go and ask Jesus this. Carry this message to him. Are you the one who is to come? Are you the king that we're waiting for? Or should we go and find someone else? That's the message of John the Baptist. Are you the one? Or should we go and find someone else? So, are you the one? You know, when John sends this message, this is what he's saying. Dare we hope, dare we hope that all our prayers and our hopes are finally met in you? Dare we hope, dare we hope that you are the one that will free us from years of oppression and from years of slavery? Are you the one? Dare we hope that it's you? Dare we hope, may we hope that you are the one that will bind up the broken. Dare we hope that you are the one that will heal the sick. Dare we hope that you are the one that will free us. Dare we hope. Dare we hope. Or should we go find someone else? Should we, should we go somewhere else? Should we look for another one? That's the longing of Psalm 72. That's the longing of Psalm 72, and that's the background to Jesus. That's who Jesus, that's who people wanted Jesus to be. You know, and I didn't realize this. Here's the thing. Um, <laughs> I didn't realize that this was the longing of Psalm 72 until yesterday. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit of a slow learner. You know, once I get there, I'm okay, but it takes me a long time to get there. I've got, <laughs> you know, I'm slow at learning things. And I didn't realize this until my boys uh, asked me, man, why are you always working the weekends, Dad? You know, why don't you come out and play with us? And they asked me, what is it that you actually do on Sunday? You know, what do you do on Sunday morning? That's a good question. You know, my boys, they, they know what I do uh, it's when I'm studying. They know I just kind of tap on a computer. They think I'm, you know, really smart writing a book. I just tap on a computer. They know that. They get that. And they knew what I did in my last job. You know, they knew that I helped people to write essays. They get that. But what do you do on Sunday morning, Dad? What do you do? Usually I tell them that I just fill in for 20 minutes while the band has a rest. <laughs> that seems, they're like, that's cool, man. That's cool. And they want to be in the band, Andy. So, um, you know. But yesterday, yesterday as I was reading Psalm 72, I noticed that maybe... Maybe just a little more, something more important is going on. And I realize, you know, the Sundays that I don't speak up here, when I do come to church and I sit in the, in the, in, you know, in the seats here and I meet new people and I'm talking to people at the front, I wonder maybe, there's, maybe there is something 
more going on here. Maybe I turn up for another reason too. And then last night as I was scrolling through my news feed, I was reading about 19 Mexicans that were shot on the border between USA and, uh, and Mexico, shot because they were trying to get a better life for themselves. They were shot in cold blood. And I wondered, are you the one? Are you the one that we're waiting for? And then I wondered as I scrolled through my newsfeed and I looked at the protesters in Myanmar protesting again, protesting again to a tyrant regime. And I wondered, are you the one? Are you the one that we're waiting for? And then I read about a young Pacific Island community in South Auckland opening cross-cultural dance studios as they wondered, I read as they wondered, if the wonderful tapestry and the variety of cultures that God is bringing into this world, if maybe, maybe they could learn to dance together. And I wondered, are you the one to come? Are you the one to come? And I heard that same question on the doctors and the nurses that are fighting COVID-19. Are you the one? Are you the one we're waiting for? Or should we wait for another one? Maybe we should just move on. And then this morning, even this morning, I thought about those who are tired, those of us here who are tired who are tired, we're exhausted mentally and physically, spiritually. And I wondered, are you the one? And I wondered of those of us who are here that are thirsty. You're thirsty for love, thirsty for friendship, thirsty for comfort. And I wondered, are you the one? Are you the one who is to come? And I wondered, as I thought about our children and if they're going to have water to drink and if they're going to be affected by climate change. And I thought, are you the one? Are you the one that is going to come? Dare we hope? May we hope? Or should we just go look for another one? John, please ask Jesus our questions. Please ask Jesus our questions. These are our questions. Are you the one? Ask them for us. Ask them for us. Are you the one? Dare we hope? Dare we hope? May we hope in you? Are you the one? That's the longing of Psalm 72. <laughs> That's the longing I read last night in Psalm 72. Oh, okay, right. Okay, got it. I didn't realize that until my boys asked me, what do you do on Sunday morning? What do you do for 20 minutes on Sunday morning? Why don't you play with me? You know, why aren't you at home playing with me? What do you do? And John sent those words to Jesus. And when Jesus heard those words, he answered him like a politician. You know, he's pretty evasive, man. He, was, uh, he wasn't too ready to come forward and tell John who he was. You know, it's kind of like a yes and no answer. Are you the one that we're waiting for or should we go and see someone else? Yes or no? Hello? 
you know, give it to me straight. I can handle this kind of thing. Tell me, are you the one? But Jesus asks back in this kind of evasive answer. He asks, he answers him back in kind of like coded prophetic language, right? And there's a, there's a reason for this too, because Jesus was also part of an underground group. Did you know that? Jesus was a revolutionary. Do you know why he was a revolutionary? For the same reason John was a revolutionary, because he was looking for a king. Maybe he was that king. And you know what? They already had a king. It wasn't going too well. So he's part of an underground movement. If you want to be a revolutionary, you follow Jesus. And he's looking for this king that he says to them, this group of people, you know, are you the king that will change people's lives? I mean, really change people's lives. What we were talking about this morning, that we would be a community of changed lives. Are you that person? And John is out there and he's asking people to change their moral compass, to turn around, to find a new way to live in this world. So Jesus answers John back. He says, okay. He gets his disciples and says, take this message back to John. And he answers him in the language of Isaiah 35 and Isaiah 61. And sitting beside this answer behind it is Psalm 72. Go and tell John, he says, that the blind will receive their sight, that the lame will walk, that the deaf will hear, that the poor will have the good news preached to them. Tell John that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because I have been sent to preach the good news. Proclaim to the captives the recovery of the sight of the blind to set free all those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's king language. That's king language. Go tell John. You tell John that that's what I'm here for. I'm here to set people free. Tell John. That's Jesus, man. He's cool. That's awesome, right? That's cool. God is not finished with this world. And that longed-for king that would not treat justice like a fad or a commodity, that would care for all people, was committed to the lost and the broken and the fearful, that would bind up the broken, that would heal the sick, that would seek out the marginalized, that would look for the lost on the margins. That king is here. He's come. He's come. It's true. It's true. If that's what you're hoping for, it's, it's actually true. He's come. Dare we hope. Dare we believe. Yeah, he's come, man. You know, that saying is a revolutionary saying. And if you say it, you, you're, you're right on the margins of what this world needs. If you can... Bring your lips to mouth those words. Yes, he's come. And you can feel it in your heart. And you can let the spirit come on you. You can just let be taken with that truth. You are right on the margins of what this world needs. And it's saying, step into it because the king has come. That's good news. 
right? That's good news. This is it, man. This is what we're doing. This is it. You know, and after giving my boys a hug that morning, I said, I'm sorry, I can't be with you every uh, weekend. And this is the reason why, because every Sunday that I'm speaking, I get up here and I'm saying, I'm telling the people that the king has come. I'm telling the people that the king has come. And when I come here on Sunday mornings and I meet you guys and I'm hanging out there and we're having coffee, I do it because I dare to say that the king has come. He's here, man. He's here. He's here. He turned up. He turned up. So how should we live, man? How should we live now? That's the thing, right? That's the question. How should we live now? The hope-filled, renewing, restorative, the king that Jesus is flows into us from his own life that was willing to lay down his life for us. That is the king that we've got. And each person, you know, each person here, this world, no matter what sex or what race or what gender you are or what status you are, mm -mm, no, the king is here for you. And he flows his life into you. It's like, it's like, a, it's like a hose being connected to its water source. And that life, it flows down the hose that is us out into the world to carry on the work that the king has started. And here's what it's like. Here's the work that the king does and that he's calling us to do. Listen to Psalm, the psalm again. Judge your people rightly. Be honorable to the meek and the lonely. Please stand up for the poor. Help the children of the needy. Come down hard on cruel tyrants. Righteous anger right there, standing up for the poor, looking out for the children of the needy, coming down hard on tyrants. Mm -mm. That sounds like, no, don't do that. No, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. That's what Jesus does. Rescue the poor at the first sign of need. The destitute who have run out of luck, who's out of luck here today. Jesus is here. Jesus is here by his spirit. He's the one that's looking out for you. You might not even be looking for him, but he's looking for you. Are you out of luck that Jesus is looking for you? Mm, mm. You know, there your luck has changed. What's changed? It's a turnaround. It's just a turn. If you want your luck to change, you turn, right? That's the, that's the meaning behind turn. Do you know what that is? It's repentance. It's just repentance. Repentance is just going, hmm, hi, oh, you're the one I dared to hope for. Open a place of your heart for the down and out. Restore the wretched of the earth. That's it. That's it. The king has come, and that's what we do. Why do we do it? Because we dared to hope that there would be someone who would come and save us. How? Looking after the needy, caring for the sick, looking for the people on the margins, turning us, turning us who are out of luck back to luck. Amen? Yeah, amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as I think about my community and my nation, who am I 
aware of that is experiencing oppression and discrimination today? What are you asking me to stand for if an opportunity arises arises for me to act justly today, even if it feels like a small thing, God, please give me the courage to stand. Well, you know, maybe sometimes it takes sitting. Give me the courage to sit and not be part of injustice. Help me to stand or sit for what is right. Please give me more, 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 more Please give me more of your spirit, God, because I can't do this alone. May I be connected to the water source. May you take me like a hose and connect me back into the life of Jesus so that I can not be afraid and follow you, so that I won't lose heart. Lord, please strengthen me. Help me. Hold me in your hand today. And then I know that I can go forward. Bless you guys. Amen.